You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined, as always, by Adam Mattis. Adam, how's the, uh, are, are you okay? The storm, like, freaked me out. There's, like, bomb snows and stuff like that. Is, why bomb, is that a the thing? Bomb, I survived the bomb cyclone <laughs> of 2019. You know what's funny, Anthony? I had never even heard of a, a bomb cyclone until, like, three days ago. I thought Kirk made that up when we were talking <laughs> about it in our in our group. So, so Denver, the city I live in, Denver received, like, a foot and a half of snow Plus, I don't know, 50, 40 mile per hour winds. It was like a hurricane mixed with a blizzard. And I've never heard of this phenomenon before, but it was interesting to live through. That's and insane. today it's sunny. So who knows? So it's like it's like the movie Scarface come to life. Um, what we're going to talk about today, we have a ton to get to. Gail Miller gives a very thoughtful and heartfelt uh, speech to Utah Jazz fans on on what's been going on there. Uh, LeBron gives a very heartfelt and thoughtful message to Kawhi Leonard walking off of the court. <laughs> uh, the Dallas Mavericks and Denver Nuggets played a really interesting game, and you and I want to debate Luka Doncic and uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, and then finally, on Good job the on pronunciation, by the way, I I I, I could have put money on you screwing both of them up, <laughs> but I, you got both right. I got them right. I got them right. And then finally. Uh, Zion Williamson goes 13 for 13 in his return to the uh, court. And with March Madness coming up and with that performance right there, we're going to we're going to try to figure out where the most fun destination for Zion Williamson is going to be. So let's just dive immediately into this. Let's start with Gail Miller's message to jazz fans. Uh, just yeah. a, just a great gesture, I thought. It was. And, and to kind of set the table with this, of course, there was the incident with a fan in Russell Westbrook. Something was said that, um, <clears throat> you know, a, a, a racist comment was hurled his way. There was an altercation, a back and forth. So it became a high profile story. And, you know, for her, they issued a PR statement. They issued one for her to come out before the game and give the speech that she did as long as the speech as it was. Yeah. And as clearly as as you mentioned, heartfelt and, she wrote and, it down and genuine. Too. It was something she thought about. Yeah, it, it really was a great thing. And, you know, it, it reminded me, we talk a lot about how much an organization um, gets their identity from the top down and the owner really sets the tone. Mm -hmm. And I thought for for her to come out and handle the way she did, I, she just it, she deserves recognition for that. But it, it was also just, I think, a good way to sort of put a hopefully put a put a shut the door on this story. Yeah. And I, I, I agree that that. This specific story, it would be nice to kind of close the door on it, but I don't think we're quite at a point now. Like we still have to continue to build forward. We still have to continue to get to a point where this is not the norm. And I'm not saying it is the norm in any specific city or whatever, but I just – we got to move off of this this idea that because you pay for a ticket, you are now granted the ability to say whatever you feel like towards these athletes. And I sure. just think it, there's a general rule of thumb that I think people should follow here is that like if you say something to somebody or yell something at somebody at these <laughs> professional uh, arenas or whatever that would get you punched in real life, <laughs> you should maybe not say it. Like you should just let that go. Yeah. Yeah, people act in arenas the same way they act in comment sections on the internet for whatever reason. It's like the yeah. filter goes and people just speak from their, their well, worst uh, part of their id. Yeah, yeah. the an anonymity for sure. Um, 
Um, but that's why I like this. This what she said. She talked about the spirit of competition, and mm-hmm. these are that's our competition, not our enemy. And and I just thought it was a good message. And, and like I said, um, sometimes some good can come out of a bad situation. And this is one that I hope at least a little bit of good and and not just good as in, oh, this is a good thing for me and you to feel good about, but hopefully it's something that jazz fans who have a reputation of being across mm-hmm. the line. Some of this has to do, I think their arena is <clears throat> you fans sit on top of yeah. players. I mean, it's just Always the most compact. It feels like a college arena. So uh, it has a little bit to do with that maybe, but maybe it changes the culture in a, in a way that's positive or at least takes the helps takes the first step towards changing a culture, not just there, but around the league of, you know, like like she said, the competition. You boo them. You t- you can even talk trash to them. Yeah. But there's a very clear line that that shouldn't be crossed or even tiptoed up to. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. And then moving forward, also, if an athlete says that they experience these kinds of comments, we know we're we know fans are capable of them, right? Yeah. I I just don't. It's wasted energy, in my opinion, to question whether or not that actually took place. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, instead of going there, let's get to a point where it's just immediately like, well, that was stupid. Why did they do that? Ban yeah. that fan per- permanently and then move on. Yeah. You know? And I think with this one, I, I mean, you heard different things, I guess, than I did because I didn't really hear that that being questioned. But nonetheless, yeah. um, you know, the story has evolved and, and hopefully evolved into a good way. Um, there was also a game played in Utah tonight and <laughs> yeah. the Jazz won 120-100, kind of a stabilizing win for them. They needed to get that one. I know. You know, two weeks ago, uh, our boss, David Locke, had really predicted that the Utah could go on like a 19 to 2 finish. And you look at their schedule, it made sense. It made sense. They stumped, they've kind of blown that opportunity. So to get this win, I think, was big for them to stay in it. And then the big story for me Carl Anthony Towns in this game had an okay game. I mean, Rudy Gobert, a fantastic defender, 9 of 15 from the field, 26 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. But do you know, Anthony? That Carl Anthony Towns is leading the NBA since the All-Star break in scoring. In, in Is he leading him in rebounding? No, he's not quite in rebounding. But he is averaging 34 points, 13 and a half oh, rebounds, and shooting 60% from the field, 49% from the three-point line. And this is on a nine-game sample size. This is Those yeah. are some pretty impressive numbers. I, I completely agree. I hope they get him help. Like, I hope that... You know, they did that. They had the Jimmy Butler experiment and obviously it didn't go to plan. And now the Andrew Wiggins contract looks even worse. I, isn't he oh. shooting sub 40 on the year or did that, mm. did that tick back up? I, I just I, I want I want good players to be surrounded by good other good players. Well, I don't want to let him completely off the hook here because yeah. I, I do have some Carl Anthony Towns takes. And my first take is that the guy is just incredibly talented as well-rounded and offensive one-on-one talent as we've seen from the center position in a really long time. And we've seen players that are more dominant at one thing or the other, but he's got the whole package. I mean, the mid range game, the three point shot, the back to the basket, the face up off the dribble. I mean, he's got so many weapons, but you know, he does play and prefer to play a style of basketball that I think does not necessarily lend himself to being the most impactful. And one of the questions, yes, he doesn't have a ton of help on a better team. He would probably shine a lot more, but at some point, if you're you're just a good enough player that you can carry bad teams to a better record than what he has carried that team to, yeah. so uh, I, I, I so I don't want to take away this. This should be more about in praise of Carl Anthony Towns and what he's done because 34 points through nine games and on the efficiency he has is incredible. But I, I do think that's a, a double edged sword there. Uh, last thing before we move on to the to the second segment here, the Lakers lose to the Toronto Raptors. Nobody that shouldn't shock anybody at all. <laughs> uh, but walking off of the court, 
LeBron James, who the night before the game hosted a party in Toronto that Kawhi Leonard apparently or reportedly, allegedly uh, attended. One, <laughs> I can't picture Kawhi Leonard at a party. At like a probably, club. probably looks a lot like me at a party, man. <laughs> Complete wallflower. <laughs> Turn the music down. It's too loud. What's I can't even hear each other talk. Why am I crying in this club? Um, and, then, and then, uh, and then as they're walking off the court, LeBron whispers or, or says pretty clearly, and it was odd too, because usually when LeBron talks to other players, like he kind of covers his mouth up a little bit and then they, they do that thing and then, he's slipping, but this, this time he like, hey, yeah, we'll be in touch. And like within earshot of cameras. And so of course the internet freaks out. Uh, and, and I've already pre-ordered my Kawhi Leonard Lakers jersey. I'm excited. Look, we'll be in. This is a funny story. We'll be in touch. Could literally be about anything. <laughs> literally anything. Kawhi uh, Leonard like left his phone at the party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be in touch. I'll get you that. Uh, I'll, I'll mail it back to you. Yeah, yeah whatever. I'll, so I'll, I'll I think this is a phone. much ado about nothing. But it is funny, and, and it is. You know, the I, I've I've said this plenty of times. I'm so exhausted by the Lakers Lebron drama. Just like to me, it's uninteresting. At oh, this you're point, exhausted. How about that? <laughs> I imagine you're even more so. But it did. The one thing I will say is the fact that this was such a big story tonight makes me think that the moment the final buzzer sounds on the finals until July 1st is going to be absolutely insufferable. Oh, yeah. And I'm really not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd probably agree. <laughs> I would probably agree. I've already we already have like 13 pre-writes for all of these guys for at Silver Screen Earl. Nice. Uh, I, I do want to put one other note in here, though, mm -hmm. uh, before we go to break. Sacramento loses tonight. They are now five games behind the Clippers, four in the loss column, but five uh, overall. Probably the nail in the coffin for them. I mean, they could go on a magical mm -hmm. run here to sneak back in, but it looks like the West has eight teams now set for that playoffs. Yeah, it's it's it, we're getting to we're reaching that point of the season where it's all about seeding and, yeah. and trying to see where you can where you can situate yourself, uh, which is fine. I'm I'm fine with that. I kind of like the idea of having the eight teams set fairly early on in the as as the season comes to a close. Yeah, playing for seeding will be interesting. There's four teams sort of in the two through five zone, and then three teams in that six, seven, eight zone. So a lot of shuffling the chairs, I think, between now and the end of the year. It's going to be great. All right, we're going to take a quick second here, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the Dallas and Denver game. Game of uh, the night that, that came down to a wild finish. I thought Kevin Harlan was going to explode on that Luka Doncic uh, dunk, and then Jokic flipped something up after not shooting before the fourth, or not having a field goal before the fourth quarter. Just a wild game. We're going to talk about that here in a second. It's funny to me that right now in Denver, there's all this talk of Jokic looks tired and you know, he's been carrying the team all year. And I'm like, he looks tired during warmups. <laughs> <laughs> he never doesn't look exhausted. So I have to come to my guy's defense in one way. <laughs> he's, he clearly, he's the puffy, he's pudgy, he's flabby, whatever you want to say. These things are all true. I think he's actually been in really, really good shape, and he's carried a tremendous load for the Nuggets. I mean, one of the storylines for this Nuggets team is that every single one of the starters has missed a decent amount of time. I think yeah. Jamal Murray's missed two weeks. That's the least amount. 
you know, uh, Will Barton missed several months. Paul Millsap missed about a month. Gary Harris missed about two. So Jokic is the one guy that has played every game minus the one suspension he got for quote unquote leaving the bench one game. Absolutely ridiculous. But other than that, he's played all the games and he carried the Nuggets on his back. I do think he's starting to show signs of. I think he wishes he rolled an ankle so he could take a week off just to kind of recharge the battery. <laughs> I, I wouldn't surprise me if he got a few DMP rests. Right. You know, and well, the difficult thing about being in the Western Conference is, you know, he's the one player they that can't is irreplaceable. Yeah. And Denver is right now three, four losses up on Houston, who is surging. Portland, Oklahoma City are also right there behind him. You know, you rest him a game or two, you lose a game or two. And next thing you know, you've just blown two or three spots in the in the standings. Well, do you think like what's more what's more valuable the the three versus the two seed or the uh, having Jokic as fresh as he can possibly be going into the playoffs? Because I think the latter is 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 by far more important. I think your hope would be that Denver can get up enough and maintain and get enough of a rhythm that maybe the last two games of the year or even last one game of the year yeah. allows for some rest there. So uh, I don't think Denver's going to rest him or anything like that. I think they'll continue to play him now that they are the healthiest that they've been at any point in the season. Yeah, they um, do need to start building a rhythm. They might build a rhythm, but they also might just find, you know, four or five minutes per game to rest him. So maybe he's playing 28 minutes for the next mm -hmm. couple of weeks rather than 33, 34. You were there at the game. You said that, that Denver just kind of trudged along and then won because they're better than Dallas. Uh, but what was it? I always feel like players who who hear a lot of comparisons. So like, like European players hear a lot of that. And then high-level lottery players who come from similar backgrounds also hear a bunch of this and get up for that game in particular. I thought Doncic was freaking exacerbated after that last shot. And I thought that was, I, I like that. I like yeah. that he seemed to legitimately care at the end of that game. So Denver struggles with a certain type of player, a small forward in particular. Denver has a lot of guards and a lot of bigs, but not any of those wing in between size players. So they don't have a guy, a body type to kind of match up with him. And then they struggle with pick and roll. Luca, very, very good at both of those things being the size that he is. And then, you know, running the pick and roll. And he was just brilliant tonight. I mean, so mature beyond his years and even talking to some of the Nuggets players in the locker room and just said, man, the way he he knows how to use his body in a way that usually it takes several years for players to kind of get that. And, yeah. you know, that's part of the appeal for him. 24 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists. And he looked like not just I think tonight you could say he looked like the best player on the court, but he also looked like the most it just experienced player on the court. Yeah. yeah, comfortable player. And that's such a weird thing to say about a rookie. It. I think it comes from playing against professional basketball yeah. players for, for, for as long as he did. People I, – I, I can't believe we're still doing this thing where we're kind of sort of slip, sleeping on, on European basketball. But the, the, you say we. Don't, don't include me in this, Anthony. Well, I, I, you know what I mean, the, the, the whatever we're calling the, the normal we or the, the typical we. But, but yeah, it, it's still something that a lot of people don't quite grasp. At how right. difficult that can be, and I think it's really legitimately helped him. You have to. We're choose, headed. Though. I will say we are headed to a place where Giannis is the face of the league, and guys like Doncic and Jokic and Porzingis are not the faces, but m some of the most recognizable yeah. and most important players. So maybe this is the turning point. This is the the, the moment where everything kind of switches. I hope so. All right, you're a GM. We won't. We, we we can. We could talk contracts, but we don't really want to go down that path. You have a choice right now to add to your team or to to build your team around. 
Yeah. Luka Doncic or Nikola Jokic? This is a really. I think this is tougher than people realize. Um, mm-hmm. I think the the betting uh, the 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 public and the listeners of the show probably have Doncic in a landslide, and you know the things going in his favor. He's as good as he has already. He's only mm-hmm. twenty years old, so he's four years younger. We're throwing out the contracts because if you include contracts, of course you would take the rookie scale contract guy over yeah. the max guy. So that we're throwing that part out. But um, you know, I still think that it's probably more of a coin flip. The wing position, I think, is more versatile in today's NBA, and you could even say maybe more uh, important to build around. But one of the things I always defend Jokic for, a lot of people, one of the criticisms I've heard of him is, oh, he's difficult to build around. He's literally good with every player he's ever played with in the NBA in four years. Every single player yeah. you put him with is significantly better than they and are. And this, this is mathematically speaking. This is – Eye test, mathematics, you know, yeah. analytics, whatever you want to look at, you put a player next to Jokic and they're like 50% better just mm-hmm. instantly and over enormous sample sizes. So uh, I would say that I think – I know this is a cop-out. I'll, I'll actually say Doncic because of the versatility of the wing player. You can play – he can be a point guard, a small forward, whatever your team needs, whereas Jokic is a center, I mean, every yeah. time he's on the court. So I think that tilts it in his favor. But in terms of impact, I don't think it's a guarantee that – in his age 21 season, which will be next year, he will match Jokic's impact just in terms of how he elevates an offense. When Jokic is on the court, every single minute of his career, the team is a, an elite offense uh, of weapon. I don't know that, that Doncic will have that necessarily. The thing that always makes me nervous when you're talking about a wing versus a post player is that a post player relies on a guard being able to get them the ball. It, most do. Well, this is this is this is this is is kind of yeah. This is kind of where it's a little different with Jokic in in that he doesn't have to be. He doesn't operate that way. He doesn't have to have his back at the basket, though he's still pretty good in that in that role. But he doesn't he doesn't have to you know catch the ball five feet within a within the the basket and uh, not give up post position because of a poor pass from the uh, inbounding player. So so I, I I think in that respect you know, that gap gets closed a little bit. It's just, for me, him being, Jokic, Doncic being 20 years old versus yeah. 24, like, it's hard for me. And and given the way, like, you talked a little bit ago about how comfortable he seems on the on the basketball court. Yeah. I, I just, guys who, guys who seem to get it this early on never plateau. Like, it, yeah. it, 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 it usually... Now, some of their leaps forward aren't quite as steep as some others, right? But they're always they're always they continue to to improve to a point where they you know from twenty to twenty one to twenty two to twenty three to twenty four, you always see steps forward and and almost never backwards. And for yeah. me, in in order for Doncic to not be as good as Jokic is right now at by age twenty four, there would have to be some type of plateau or step back. Uh, from from where he is right now. If you compare their age 19 seasons, their rookie years, basically, you know, Jokic outperforms him by just about every, actually by every single advanced mm-hmm. metric, by quite a, a, a decent margin, not a huge margin, but a decent margin. Yeah. You know, PR, win shares, box plus minus, th- those types of things. So 
you know, already you could make the argument that Jokic was starting from a position better. Now, he was a 41st pick, so nobody was talking about him. He was yeah. playing he, – he played about half the minutes. By the time the season's over, it'll be almost a third the minute. So, you, you know, there, there's that that I think is really important because to maintain that at that age over that amount of time. And mm-hmm. with the usage, by the way, Luka Doncic – Ball was in his hands from day one. He was the guy they they kind of gave the ball to. Jokic, that wasn't the case. So there's those caveats. But one of the things I wonder with Luka, we talk about he's, he plays like a veteran. I don't know that you become more of a veteran if you start out with like a veteran's brain. Do you become even smarter, this or that? I look at the things that I think he can get a lot better at. He's shooting 34% from the three-point line. I think that's an area where... You know, if he can become a 40% three-point shooter, well, now you're talking about a James Harden style of play. Spread it out. Nobody can guard you because he's already so good at getting to the rim. So um, there are areas that Luka can improve. But one of the questions I have – and and by the way, I think Luka – floor is probably a top 10 player. So I'm by no means saying that I don't think Luka is going to be a fantastic player. Uh, uh, Ceiling, number one player in the NBA, floor, top 10 player probably. Mm -hmm. But but I'm not convinced with either of these guys that they can be the best player in the league. And and that's kind of the thing I wonder about both of them. I I have a better – I think that we'll we'll feel that way about Doncic more likely than we will about Jokic. For a lot of the reasons that you listed there, like it takes a lot for a 41st overall pick. Like just think of how long it took for us to to consider Giannis this way, right? Like we're probably on the Giannis thing about a year too late, you know, in in terms of actual like impact and and the way that we perceive him. Uh, And that, and he was drafted 14, right? And so you look at, you look at, uh, Jokic and and I think that we'll, we'll it'll take us probably a year or two longer and we'll probably offer up a, a, a more the perception will be offered a little bit more quickly to a Doncic than it will be to a Jokic. There's no doubt about it because Doncic was a guy that we were talking about <laughs> coming into the draft. Yeah, all of all of that different stuff. And with Jokic, it's, it continues to be this way. I mean, com- yeah. people continue to, you know, oh well, it's really his teammates are great. People don't realize. They went a whole month starting Monte Morris, who was in the G League last year, and Tory Craig, who was in the G League last year, and they still raced out to the second best record in the in the Western Conference. So, um, anyway, long story short, I think they're both fantastic players that both will spend um, several years as top ten players in the league. I do think Doncic, there's a chance that a small chance that he can end up being one of those top two or three, and probably a better chance than Jokic. But both of them are just so fantastic. I feel like their floors are really, really high. For the sake of this conversation, one advantage that Jokic has over Doncic right now is the fact that he's going to be playing in the playoffs. That that helps perception hugely, but it can also hurt it hugely if he doesn't perform <laughs> up to it doesn't if he doesn't perform up to those expectations. Uh, that's a fun one. I I still think I would take Doncic, but that's a that's a that's a close one. We're gonna yeah. take a quick. What's up? It'll be interesting to they'll be interesting to follow both of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take another quick second here and when we come back we are going to predict the most fun outcomes for the Zion sweepstakes uh, in in a, about a couple months. Gosh, there's some fun honest. ones. There's some really fun ones. <laughs> Can we just really quickly – can we – look, collectively, everybody listening to this podcast, 
let's not do that thing where we overthink it and ask whether or not Zion should be drafted number one. <laughs> We're throwing that one right out the window. Come <laughs> let's on just let's just not do that. We don't we don't yeah. need to do that here with with this guy. He's insane. He's it's just wild. I mean, we we could go through commentary on him all we want. People better than us would would do it better than us anyway. But but he's just. Let's not overthink this. And if you're well, a GM, let's, let's already and, move on. I yeah. don't. I, I honestly don't think it's a question. I think it's a pretty easy one. If not, when you talk about general managers, if not for the talent, just for the marketability, yeah. he's going to come in as the most popular yeah. rookie. You know, Since. easily, no matter what happens. So, it, it, what, who, who do you think was more popular than Zion coming in? It, was it? Was it Davis? I, I think LeBron, and you could maybe make the case that Kevin Durant. I mean, he well, but Kevin Durant went number two behind Greg yeah. Oden. Like, but Durant was maybe more popular. I don't know. I think it's LeBron. I, I think, think he's more popular LeBron. than Anthony Davis. Yeah, because because of how viral his dunks go. Yeah, and and he's so big when he's flying through the air. He's just a freaking. He's unlike anything we've ever seen. Yeah, he's Thanos. I, I feel very comfortable saying that. Unlike any anything we've ever seen. So what's your what's your favorite destination? Where's the number one place you want to see him wind up? So this is kind of ironic because we just talked about him, but I think the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, Why that's not? a good one. You put Luca, who was probably the most hyped player coming, even though he he didn't go number one, the most hyped guy in terms of fame and people talking about him. A pair that with Zion Williamson, that three four pick and roll is just the most fun thing I can think of. It's I don't know if that team, you know, as an automatic champion, you know, if that's just like, oh, just let them grow and they're gonna win championships. But I do know that they become the best league pass team probably for like fifteen years straight if they're together. I think they said there was a report out there today that uh Dallas's top priority this year might be uh Kemba Walker in free agency. So hmm. could you imagine those those pick and rolls either between Kemba and Zion or Luca and Zion? Like that just They're, be that'd both, be a good. Both one. are unguardable. And and think yeah. about just the athletic uh, pickle you're in trying to keep up pace. You have to put a speedy player out there to be able to keep up with Kemba. Then you have to put your strongest player up there to, to guard with with uh, Zion. Yeah, that would be fun. Hot take: If they get Zion, Porzingis isn't nearly as important to me to that team. Except for the flip side, they could actually end up being the the ultimate pairing. It could, it yeah. could end up being that you know Zion can play some five, Porzingis some four, vice versa. I mean, there, it it would be a lot of fun. It would suck because the Western Conference just seems to always get the best players. So yeah. it would be really tough to you think about how loaded the West is now. You add a Dallas team that's growing, and that would be really tough as well. So that's the only drawback. But as far as pure joy, Dallas would be a lot of fun. I'm looking at the Eastern Conference here, and as far as like pure joy in the way that you're talking about, Cleveland would be fun. Like <laughs> Cleveland would be on, Cle- well, Cleveland would be fun. Just I, can, the, I couldn't stomach it. Well, it would be fun only from the standpoint of like how LeBron would react to that. Like how quickly would he try to get it, like to get back to Cleveland? Right. Like, <laughs> That's like, a good point. Yeah, that'd be that'd be legitimately hilarious to watch. And then, you know, New York is another one that, that might make a little bit of sense there. But, you Why? know, if they're going to get Kyrie and Durant, I, Kyrie, if, Kyrie Durant, and Zion would be a blast. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves maybe just a little bit here. But no. first, first of all, nothing – New York will find a way to ruin him. I'm not, yeah, I don't fair. want that to happen. Um, and also, you know, New York might just be a little bit further away 
if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were to go there, then of course everything changes. But um, the other thing, would you put it past the New York Knicks to trade Zion on draft night for uh, to make room for I mean, just to, just to, for something dumb, you know, just something I don't even know what, but. I just I just don't trust them to like handle that right. I I, I see them getting fleeced by Boston or somehow <laughs> somehow doing something really really silly. Um, you think I you assign them to the G League. <laughs> I think Atlanta would be a lot of fun too. Um, Trey Young has really turned out to be a, a really fun playmaker, shooter, passer, and you give a great passer the easiest lob threat of all time, <laughs> then. I, yeah, that that would be pretty great. I think they would be fun too. I I, I don't know about John Collins with zion but like that's a that's a problem you deal with at the time <laughs> that's a, that's that's a problem i'm already dealing with can i be a homer here and say the lakers do you really think he would be fun with the lakers it would be really fun to see new orleans take back all these reports that they will flat out not trade anthony davis <laughs> to the lakers that's the only this is this is purely out of pettiness here that's it that's the only reason but to answer yeah. your actual question Hell yes, I think it would be fun for for out here. <laughs> like why why LeBron as like could you imagine a LeBron and Zion pick and roll? I you know the one thing that would worry me so about that. Fun? First of all, I can't imagine LeBron saying, "Yeah, I'll take this nineteen year old under my wing." And, yeah, yeah, it might take him two three years to be ready, but whatever. Uh, and I think Zion will be great right out of the package. But there's great on a bad team and great on a good team, and those are two different things. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say. I've heard a lot of Zion is the next LeBron. I don't see that for him. I think no. he's a, I think he's a much different player in trying to force him to become a like lead ball handler. I, I don't know if that would be a, a wise move for him. I think he's different and great in a different way. He's just, you're not a Marvel guy, but you know X Men <laughs> Juggernaut and X Men, where like he literally once he starts running, you cannot stop him. Like okay. there's just nothing you can do to get in his way and like try to try to stop him from running. I that's how I picture pick and rolls going with Zion. Like yeah. if he takes two steps in one direction, there's nothing that's going to stop him from getting. It, to the NBA rim. spacing is going to be amazing to watch with him because you give him yeah two three four shooters around him. I just the, the the space you would have to cover to guard him and guard the perimeter would just be insane. I'll give you another one I find interesting that's under the radar and doesn't have a great shot at landing him, but. Minnesota. I just thought Minnesota. You know, Carl Anthony Towns, we just talked about how dominant and unique he is. I mean, he's another quote-unquote unicorn. I mean, he's a really unique talent. You give him Zion. I just don't think the league is prepared for two players that are so different than anything else we've ever seen. That it, would, it, would, it would create chaos. Memphis is a good one. Memphis is fantastic. It, yeah, yeah, him and Jaron Jackson Jr. That'd be so much fun in the front court. And it, in, it would, but I feel like that—that's not a champion. You know, that's a—that's a good. That's a really good. Tough I mean, they'd team. have to make moves around him to make sure that like things yeah. get things get done the right way. The one place in the entire league that I do not want to see him go, Washington. Well, <laughs> that's the only one. <laughs> that's the yeah. only one where I'm like, no, please don't, because I. It's just it's such a sad organization right now. It it really is. It's and hard to see the upside to Washington for sure. Orlando with Mo Bamba, that'd be kind of fun. Orlando would be at least be more interesting, but that would probably be my next least favorite destination yeah. for him. I think you know there's a lot of them. Chicago, even Phoenix. You could you can imagine with Phoenix has so much talent that they could maybe consolidate even a little bit there and. and build around Booker, Zion, and, and Aiton in a way that's very interesting. So there's a lot of good, uh, good options out there. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I, I agree with you that Dallas is the most fun one. Dallas is the most <laughs> intriguing one. Just because... Dallas might be too good, though. I'm not going to lie. That would be the one, one of the drawbacks. <laughs> Maybe. Um, all right, that'll do it for this episode and this week's episodes of the Locked on NBA podcast. This was a lot of fun. Uh, if you enjoy it, make sure you guys leave those uh, five-star reviews and comments for, for us. Send Adam all of your responses to all of his takes uh, at Adam <laughs> underscore Morris. Uh, <laughs> have a great rest of your weekend, though, and we'll talk to you next week.